What's going on and welcome to the Kicking It With podcast. My name is Zach Holcomb. I'm your host and today we have episode four with Mike McLean of 3dprintedparts.com. We chat about all sorts of fun stuff, including the sustainability of uh, of printing in 3D, you know, sustainability of materials in additive manufacturing. We also talk about uh, advances in sporting equipment. Uh, Mike is a uh, is a hockey coach with his son's team, and uh, yeah, so some cool new stuff coming out for hockey products and all sorts of good stuff. So that's all coming up here in episode four. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Hey Zach. Hey, how's it going, Mike? How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining, and uh, welcome to episode four of the Kicking It With podcast. This one's going to be called Kicking It With Mike McLean, so it doesn't get much better than that, does it? <laughs> no, no, not really. I hit the big times now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I have the easy part. I just uh, I just make a phone call and then uh, and then sit and listen, so you know. It's uh, it's it's real easy to be me, but I think you'll I think you'll be uh, you'll be off and running, man. <laughs> All right, nice. Well, thanks for having me. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I know you uh, you reached out a couple of days ago and uh, had a couple of things that uh, that you thought would be some awesome topics for us to kind of cover today, and so um, I tried to I tried to do a little bit of research so that I could almost be on the same level as you on some of this stuff. But, um, I'm, I'm super excited to learn what you have, uh, what you've got. <laughs> well, I hope it's worth sharing. I, I tend to think it is, but, um, yeah, I was, uh, you know, just responding to your request for people who are the, uh, 3d printing guys in their area. So absolutely. Um, What's, uh, you know, what's your, like, what's your early, like, how'd you get all started and, uh, what was your first encounter with 3d printing, Mike? Yeah, I was a, uh, design engineer for a furniture company and had convinced my manager that we needed to 3d print a furniture leg, like a table leg. Gotcha. And, you know, this was a SLA part that probably cost about $3,000 back in 2001. And, uh, you know, the part came to me, passed it around the conference table. And by the time it got back, it was broken. So <laughs> it was kind sure. of my first experience with it. For sure. Um, but over the years, you know, I started to see, um, really the expanded applications that were available to people. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, I, uh, was, showing a 3d printed part to a guy I coached hockey with and yeah, you said you coach hockey as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I do. Yep. Right on. Right on. So is that, is that your son's team that you coach or what's the tie there? Yeah. So, uh, I grew up playing hockey and, um, stopped after my senior year of high school and kind of picked it up a couple of years after college again. Then, uh, once I had my son, I really jumped into the coaching um at first just like learn to skate and what we call cross-size hockey and um, now he's 11 and playing on a travel team and i got to uh enjoy some of the travel coaching aspects but yeah it's a great time i think um you know one of the things we talked about was kind of the the pace of innovation um with sporting goods lately you know it seems like 
uh, every couple of months, a new company is coming out with a partnership with, um, you know, it could be HP or Carbon and showcasing a new uh, product innovation. And I think that's what mm-hmm. really intrigued me with 3D printing. Um, my, my background as a design engineer, I was always like really interested in seeing how I could get, you know, a minimum viable product out to market. You know, so we have an idea. How do we get it out there? Test it, the market feedback. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I early on started to really lean on 3D printing. Um, yeah, I feel like so that's becoming, it's, cool. it's like becoming more and more of the day-to-day uh, deal is like being able to, companies and, and folks that don't even have a company yet, they're just still in that idea phase, are kind of able to start up and get their idea to market or at least like, you know, splashing it on the social to social media fast and early. And, uh, I feel like it's a, it's enabling a lot more really cool products to make their way all the way to production. You know, the ability of, uh, you know, like you said, you're, you're early on a lot of the early on interactions with 3d printing are, yeah, that's really cool. And then the third person touches it and it breaks. So, you know, them being able to, uh, <laughs> folks being able to kind of prototype and more end use style materials, you know, whatever systems they're coming off of is really cool. Cause, uh, you know, like, like you kind of pointed out like that new, uh, I think it was the new like concept hockey puck that carbon and, um, oh shoot. What was that? Uh, that company that did that with them. C- CCM. CCM. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that was really yeah. cool. I like the, uh, that new, I don't, I don't know if this ties into additive any at all, but that new hockey stick that Bowers got out is pretty sweet where it's got like that rigid, uh, like backbone to it. And then it's got like the open slit and it gives it some flex. That thing looks pretty slick too. What's kind of like the, what's the hockey tie into that engineering? You know, um, I think the hockey tie in is at least uh, from the articles I read through Bauer was, um, you know, they're really starting to use FEA as they design these like really lightweight, high performance carbon fiber sticks and seeing what different flex points and uh, material properties are going to give them in terms of ice performance. Um, and, but, you know, back to the 3D printing tie in, I think it's um, you're seeing companies like that, they're likely 3D printing carbon fiber layout molds or just um, simple profiles, you know, to get uh, different shapes on uh, the shaft of a hockey stick or maybe the club head uh, for a golf club, Um, you know, and even some of the production materials now that companies like Carbon have where, you know, they're printing basically the liners to football helmets or potentially hockey helmets or shin pads. Um, They're uh, really cool innovations and really showing how 3D printing is maturing from that that broken table like example to like a really high performance health and human safety type product. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got uh, you know, I got a pair of the the Carbon Adidas sneakers, and like to me, that's still the craziest thing in the world. Is I mean, I, I like try to put them through the paces. I try to wear them like as often as possible and stuff like that. And I've worn the. Uh, they had a, let's see, it was like the, the very lower of the shoe is like a, uh, company named continental makes it. I think, I don't know if okay. this is true. I'll just make this up as I go, but I think that continental, <laughs> I think it's the same company that does the tires and they make like the under tread for the shoe. And anyway, yeah. I've, I was like, man, there's no way any part of this shoe is going to wear out before 
the 3d printed part of the shoe and i've effectively worn the the tread on the bottom of that shoe almost completely flat i mean they're like racing slicks now and dang if the lattice 3d printed portion of it is still in good shape i mean i wear these things like i like take them to the beach and wear them just to like intentionally see how they'll do in sand and stuff like that and like <laughs> the the dag on uh, the tread on the bottom is is almost completely shot, but the 3D printed portion of it still works really well. I I just couldn't believe it. I was kind of blown away. I was kind of skeptical when I got them early on. I was like, man, a couple hundred bucks yeah. for these things, and we'll see how long they last. But it's been really cool. Yeah. It's been really cool. I love yeah, the football cool. helmet application. I think that's that's killer. How they're using the latticing and um, the testing and all that stuff to to iterate. It's it's awesome stuff. Yeah, it makes me wonder when uh, companies are going to start, um, you know, 3D printing custom uh, mouth guards and things like that. Um, I know, like today, there's a lot of the mouth guard materials are it's really just an easily low temp thermoformable plastic. But mm-hmm. um, you know, you have companies like Invisalign out there that's printing literally tens of millions of, of orthodontic appliances a year seems like they could easily transition that into a mouth guard type market. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, kind of another interesting aspect that I wanted to talk to you about today, uh, specifically with uh, product design and development is like the whole sustainability aspect of additive manufacturing. Sure. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with like the impact on human life and um, the environment. I um, so in college I studied uh, something called sustainable business, okay. and it was really this um, business program that focused on something called the the triple bottom line idea, and it was basically that. Uh, service organizations or uh, other businesses should really focus on the triple bottom line of social impacts, environmental impacts, and business impacts of their operations. And so it's been interesting to me to see which players in additive manufacturing are starting to approach that that triple bottom line. Um, In the last couple of years, um, I've seen, you know, mentioned here or there about sustainability um, from companies like EOS or Carbon, maybe 3D Systems. Um, but it seems like in the last year, it's really kind of ramped up. I know um, after the TCT show um, in 2019, I think I saw four or five different press releases or, or articles and 3D printing media that was about uh, sustainability and additive manufacturing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We were thinking about that. Uh, you know, after we, we talked last week, we were sitting here kind of internally and kind of kicking around, kind of reading some articles on it and stuff like that. And, you know, that's one thing that immediately came to mind in our immediate, you know, like the system that we're running being the HP system. I mean, I can't, we're never ever going to use all of this, uh, powder material that we have. And, um, you know, I don't know what the, official uh press release white paper of how you're supposed to get rid of the material but i mean in all for all intents and purposes it's pretty much like put the powder in a bag and put the bag in the trash can and uh you know we were kind of thinking about that like man where does so just some trash bag full of white dust goes to a landfill and then gets punctured and then goes like 
on a windy day, it just blows up into the air. Like, where does that all go? And how does that all tie in? I mean, I'm, I'm far too stupid to figure all that stuff out, but it's, uh, it's definitely (laughs) something that I'm sure there are people working on. Maybe you know more about that than I do, I would assume, but you know, that's kind of one of those things like, where does it go and where does it all end up? Yeah. I'm surprised they don't have like a take back type program for that that powder cake, uh, or or spent powder that can't necessarily be reincorporated. Cause I know, you know, part of the, the, the good thing about the HP technology is they can use a, a high rate of, um, or rather reuse a high rate of the powder mm-hmm. in the process. Um, but, you know, there are some other like processes that have seen uh, exceptionally wasteful. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, if you, if you think about um, the thermoset resin, they're, so widely used, um, really nothing can be done with those after the part is used. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe the highest order of reuse would just be to burn it and maybe reclaim some energy or something. But other than that, it's, sure. you know, a single use plastic that's going to sit in a landfill until perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, you know, I think, um, what, Personally, from like a triple bottom line approach, I think it would be great to see the material manufacturers really start to incorporate um, thoughts on how to reduce the uh, environmental burden from the products that they're producing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 3D printing has these really big themes on why it's going to be the, the production tool of the future, you know, whether it's um, mass customization or distributed manufacturing. And um, I really believe those things. And uh, I think that, you know, at this point, we are all given the opportunity to really design an entire system that incorporates things like high performance materials and massive reusability and recyclability and negligible environmental impact. Um, and so I'm kind of excited to see people talking about it, but at the same time, it's like really eye opening to look at where we are today. Um, you know, I talked about, um, orthodontic appliances earlier. Um, I don't know if you, you know how, um, those products incorporate 3d printing, but you know, in, in case your, your listeners aren't, aren't aware of it, basically, uh, a dentist would scan the teeth and then they run uh, like your messed up teeth mm-hmm. in a, a computer program and it kind of categorically late, like sets out um, a number of stages to get your teeth per- perfectly aligned. And so you have like a, a set of 10 to 12 orthodontic retainers that you'll wear over a course of time to correct your teeth. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the retainer that's actually 3D printed. It's the tooling for thermoforming the retainers. And so, you know, what these uh, appliance companies are, are making is basically all of the tooling to thermoform over. Yep. And that tooling is all using a thermal set resin. And so if you think about it, it's, it's mass customization. So those uh, tools will never be used other than the one time that they're, they're thermoformed over. 
and they're highly unreusable because it's a thermoset resin. So there's no recycling with it. It's not biodegradable. It's just kind of permanent piece of single-use plastic. Right. Um, and those are the, the types of things that, like right now as an industry, we can start working towards, okay, we know that this is a mass customized product that's going to be used for, you know, less than 15 minutes in its lifetime and then live on into infinity. You know, mm-hmm. how do we make that so we can rapidly reuse it or, you know, buy 20 tons of feedstock and not have to buy it again until our market grows, you know, um, and just keep reusing the materials. Yeah. I yeah, think that's, that's um, oh, go ahead. No, I mean, I agree with you. I think that's all, that's all really interesting stuff. It's like when, um, you know, to just continue to pick on the dentals right there for a little bit, you know, it's like a one or two companies kind of got into it, like you said, and figured out a really cool way where they could, uh, make parts really quickly, make all those, uh, dental molds to do the thermoforming over top. And, uh, mm-hmm. that was like the big splash for the industry. It was like, you know, that was like the first really, 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 I think it's the first mainstream, um, medical application that 3d printing's really hit a home run and it's almost like every single person doing it. It's not, are they using 3d printing? It's which technology have they chosen? And, uh, mm-hmm. like that was a big deal for, you know, a lot of DLP style prints, uh, print technologies. But I think the next wave of that, you know, kind of piggybacking on what you said, the next wave of, of players that are going to come with a big change or something that's going to set them, set them apart or differentiate is going to be, uh, the technology or the materials supplier that comes up with the material that you can use it, you can, um, form it the way you need to using light or whatever your, your engine is, and then be able to almost essentially for lack of a better term, regrind that plastic back down after you've done the therm- the thermoforming for the Invisalign style liner to be able to, if there's a way that a company can come up to, to regrind that plastic somehow and put it back into their ecosystem so that they can make numerous sets of those, uh, th- thermoform molds out of it. That is going to be a big deal. I don't know who's working on it. I'm sure there's someone working on it. Some, some super smart <laughs> kid. There's somewhere. someone working on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've heard rumors, like, uh, I don't know how, you know, credible they are, but I mean, I've heard rumors that there's places that are trying to do that, but man, that would be, that'd be a big time differentiator. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, you know, that hits to that triple bottom line approach. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, if you're able to reuse that material simply and easily, easily and keep it out of the landfill, you know, it's, it obviously has a, a positive environmental impact. Mm-hmm. But also for those manufacturers, if they can reuse their raw material over and over again, it's, it's a tremendous business impact as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with them doing it, especially for a thermoform thermoform mold where you're using it one time. I mean, you're not, we're not uh, asking or expecting some crazy material characteristics, um, you know, in that plastic when it's been when it's been reformed. You know, it's can it sit here in this one little dish and get really hot and have some thin plastic pulled over it? I mean, you're not. It's not even like we're going all right. I need to regrind this for the seventh time and then make this really, really strong part that is going to go and be, you know, externally um, seen on an automotive OEM or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's a pretty reasonable ask and all. Yeah. So, you know, I think um, 
as I've uh, set a course for for our business, I've been you know really starting to evaluate different technologies and understanding like what their uh, environmental impact is and you know, at least give a, a back of the napkin estimation to, to those figures. And it seems like to me, there are a couple of technologies that kind of stand out over and above just in terms of maybe energy use and recyclability of materials or even health and safety of the materials. And um, it's kind of interesting. You wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed it, but it, it seems like good old FDM is, is, relatively reliable and you know in a lot of cases kind of benign to the environment especially with using conventional thermal plastics that have existing waste streams mm-hmm. but SLS and, and MJF are, are equally there with like a high recycled content and most true thermal plastics um, and then surprisingly like a direct metal laser melting or laser centering um, has a relatively low energy density and you know high recyclability and you know the ability to produce um, very high functioning near net shaped parts. So, right on. Do you um, yeah. do you guys have any uh, metal machines? Are you running any metals? Yeah, yeah. We uh, probably seventy uh, percent of our parts business is in metals. Right on. Right on. Um, what uh? What machines are you running? Feel free. I mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, Pro X two hundreds. So the old Phoenix systems uh, metal printers. Um, so we're primarily doing stainless steel and uh, marriaging steel, tool steel. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but um, capabilities to to do aluminum and titanium as well. So right on. That sounds cool. Are you using that primarily in the metals? Are you using for um? For parts, or are you printing um, like mold pieces? Yeah, uh, great question. So, you know, right now we're seeing, uh, you know, we've been at it for about five years, and five years ago it was almost all prototyping automotive parts. That, mm-hmm. You know, we're in the Midwest, and that's a big market, and it makes a lot of sense. But over the five years, we, we're seeing more of a transition to, like, real low volume production so maybe a uh, hundred to two thousand of the same parts per year um, some off-highway vehicle use um, some aerospace things but a lot of uh, a lot of automotive low volume components right um, doing a lot of injection mold tooling as well uh, with conformal cooling um, really uh, starting to hit our stride I think with that Right on. So for those that aren't familiar with that on the conformal tooling, are you basically talking about uh, printing in some more complex molds that have, you know, internal chambers for cooling and and water cooling and things like that? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah. So um, on a conventional tool, like an injection mold tool, if you needed to um, cool a certain spot within the tool, you would drill a straight line hole and maybe connect it from another side with another straight line hole and kind of plug and and seal those holes. And, um, you know, people have gotten pretty good at it. There are a lot of different innovations to try to regulate the temperature of a mold. Mm -hmm. But really with uh, metal printing, you're able to get 
geometries that conform to the surfaces that you're trying to to regulate the temperature on. So, um, yeah, so that's been a, a particular focus for us. Um, not necessarily doing the design of the conformal channels, but partnering with uh, mold builders to um, really come up with something that's going to shine um, one bead through through additive manufacturing, but but secondly, give them the results that they want. Right on. Yeah, that's a really cool angle too. I mean, you know, I'm my big, you know, I'm always waving the think outside the mold flag, and you know, I've never, uh, I've never been in a personal situation, you know, with my 3D printing to where I'm like uh, working with folks that are really great at making molds, and then kind of, you know, it's cool when we're working with, uh, you know, polymer style engineers and then you're like, Hey, listen, you don't, you can go ahead and make that crazy clip that you feature you always wanted. Cause you don't have to mold it anymore. You can, we can just print it and they're like, yeah, that's great. And then you see them and they're like, you can see inside their heads are like, Oh my gosh, can you believe we can do anything we want now? And, uh, I bet that that's a whole nother, that's on like a whole nother level to a, to a complex mold designer where they're, they're traditionally doing things like that and running their straight lines. And now you're like, Hey, if you want, we can just put like a little curly Q coil back behind that part. And if, if that'll help cool it, and I'm sure their eyes sometimes are probably like, Oh my gosh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of them have seen it and it's funny. There's so many built mold builders who like really always aimed to get that competitive edge. Um, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, they were looking at it. Um, but they don't, I haven't quite realized how the industry has matured. You know, again, mm-hmm. uh, 15 years ago, the metal printers just weren't the same as they are now. So, right. you know, metal parts were porous. And, you know, if you ran coolant through a, a printed metal part close to a surface, there's a pretty good chance that you would get seepage coming through the part or the part where the mold would actually weep that coolant out onto the part. But, you know, with the fiber lasers that are used pretty much throughout metal laser centering today or metal laser melting today, you're getting near full density when, when it's desired. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and it's, and it's cool to, to demonstrate to those mold builders who, who looked at it 15 years ago, the difference between then and now. So, mm-hmm. cool. so um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting setup with our business. Um, actually, uh, kind of running, I guess you would call it in an in an incubator, but it's a, a setup where I'm a division of a larger kind of advanced manufacturing company. So, gotcha. Um, back in 2014, I was showing some uh, 3D printed prototype I had made on a MakerBot. Uh, to a guy I coach hockey with, and I was like, "Hey, check this out!" And he happened to to own this manufacturing company, and was like, "Man, we really want to get into 3D printing, but we don't have the bandwidth." Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, I was in I think my 15th year as a design engineer, you know, leading a, a small group of engineers, that, but um, wanted to step out and do something a little more entrepreneurial. So, mm-hmm. uh, thus. 3D printed parts.com was born. So, right on. yeah, it's been nice. It, it takes away a little bit of the risk of, of having that new, new startup business. Um, and I can 
you know, rely on people to help me out with understanding how sales works and, mm-hmm. you know, what's really needed for a website and, you know, how do you, how do you really go to market and what's the best approach to going to trade shows and those types of things. But, yeah. um, yeah, it's been a, been a pretty wild ride nonetheless. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it's interesting you get caught up sometimes with uh, big projects and you know doing you know a lot of paperwork and just engineering parts and and making sure all the machines are running and you realize I haven't made any sales calls in like seven days (laughs) what am I going to do next month and so it's a pretty uh, big reality with a smaller business like that you gotta you gotta wear a lot of hats and you gotta be on your toes and you're gonna get paid for the work you put into it. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my dad stays on me on that stuff too. He's like, Hey, you know, don't forget to make that it's funny hearing someone that's almost sixty say, Don't forget to make that social media post, but I think I've like <laughs> I think like I don't know, he's trained me to train him and now he's training me back. He's like staying on me about like make the social media post. I'm like, I can't do today, I'm so busy and he's like, Right, but in 12 days when you have nothing to do and you're, and then you're worried about, I better make that social media post at that point, you already lost the momentum. And I'm like, dang yeah. it. Like, dang, I think he's been reading some of those books that I've been putting off. <laughs> so, it's kind of fun. Awesome. It's been cool. It's That's been cool. cool. That's really cool. So. so does your dad live in Kinston as well or? No, he doesn't. He's still, uh, he's still up in Columbus, Ohio. So he, um, he kind of did a thing a few years ago where he kind of moved on from the career. He was in a, like an insurance uh, agent role for 20, 25 years or so. And then uh, kind of transitioned out of there and kind of swung some of his investments into real estate investing. And so he was doing that for a little while and fixing up places and getting to rent it out. And, you know, some were flips, some stayed as rentals. So that's kind of what he did for like the last couple of years. And then um, I kind of like, he wouldn't call that retirement cause he's probably working harder than he's ever worked, you know, because he's not just sitting at a desk making calls anymore. Like he's, he's doing something for himself, but like to go from wearing a suit and making phone calls for 20 years to, uh, wearing jeans and a tool belt and painting and, you know, running a hammer and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, you're supposed to do that when you're twenties and your thirties. And then when you're in your forties, fifties and sixties, you're supposed to wear the suit and sit and make phone calls. Like you did that backwards, but you know, it's kind of funny to watch him transition into it and, uh, and do that stuff. But anyway, he was, so I, yeah, I call it, we called it, we jokingly called it his retirement where he quit working, but he started working harder. And then, uh, so he's kind of reached like a spot where he's gotten, you know, a good, a good, a good point with all that stuff. And then, um, he was kind of watching, watching us do the out of America thing. And then I moved from, from up there down to North Carolina and then, uh, he kind of kept, kept learning and, and, you know, he's part of my conversations constantly, you know, like the riding home explaining, explaining what's going on. So he's very, very in tune to kind of the business and how it works and stuff. And then he was like, he's like, you know, I did, I did sales for a while. Like I can help with some of this stuff. Like I'm sure you've got, <laughs> You know, and with the social media and stuff, we just, we come into contact with so many people that we really don't, we don't sit down and then we don't really do sales. Like we're just heavy marketing with no real yeah. sales. And so it kind of worked out well. We kind of, we pulled him out of his pseudo retirement and uh, now he helps us out with that kind of stuff and, and kind of helps us keep a tab on, you know, this is, this is a sales lead form and this is how, you know, you contact people and you, you stay in contact and you build relationships. So that's been really cool to 
to kind of implement him into the business from a distance. Um, it's been really cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a, uh, it is interesting. We, um, when I first kicked off the website, I was like, all right, this is it. We're on Google and now people are just going to start coming why is, in. Why is they're the gonna, they're going to be calling us. <laughs> yeah. It's going to have to install two phone lines just to keep up with it. Yep. And, uh, it's funny, our biggest customers are all from those person to person sales calls. You know, some of them even cold calls where, man, I have no idea if this company can use 3D printing, but mm-hmm. you know what? I'm already in this industrial park, so I'm going to stop in. And yep. it's funny how that pays off. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely experienced some of that, man, where you're like, you go in, to, you drive like two hours to see somebody, and you can tell within like eight <laughs> minutes in the door, you're like, this is not a match. This is not going to work out. And then, yeah, I've, I've totally been that guy where you're like, well, I'm already here. So I may just go, may, may as well just go ahead and work myself, work my way out of this, uh, this industrial park and hit that spot and that spot. And, oh yeah, that, that was that other place when we first turned in here, they look like, you know, maybe I don't even know what they're doing, but we're going to find out cause we have this whole extra hour that <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. we determined really quickly that spot a was not worth the drive, but yeah, there's all these other opportunities. So a lot of that, man, it's yeah. just mindset. You know, a lot of people don't get that. Yeah. Some people would do that yeah. and get back in the car and for two hours be like, can't believe I just wasted five hours today. But, um, yeah. you know, the entrepreneurial people for sure are the ones that definitely look to the next, I don't know, getting yeah. over losses quickly is a, is a definite yeah. personality. Yeah. Trait. It takes a different mindset to wash that off, you know, cause mm-hmm. it can be, uh, it can be a challenge for sure. Yep. Absolutely. So Absolutely. My, my friends call that call reluctance. You go in and, and have a couple of failures and you're like, Oh man, uh, I'm going to find something else to do today. Maybe I'll, yep. you know, I haven't run any diagnostics on that machine in a while. <laughs> sure could use some maintenance yep. before you know it. <laughs> yeah. It's Friday but, and then you do yeah. nothing all week. Yeah. I know that. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. avoiding it more and more <laughs> yep. yeah it's like you yep. you don't you get stuff done all day but you never get those five really important things done you're just constantly doing six yeah. through eleven yeah i totally know what you mean there totally know what you yeah. mean so. yeah so it's it's cool you know kind of being under a larger company because i can it's not like there's a sales quota and you're you're like held to task like in some right. 80s sales movie or something like that but yep. Yeah. Um, there's definitely like a group accountability, like in a fun way. You know, hey, did you did you make those thirty sales calls this week? Hey, what number? Yeah, how many new customers did you get this week? And it's right. I don't know. It's it's, it's kind of good to have that yeah. that around because you know, as a, a standalone business, I don't know that I'd have that same drive without that encouragement. But it's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, cool, man. Well. It was awesome chatting with you tonight. I appreciate you bringing, uh, bringing some stuff to the table, you know, the, the social and environmental and business impact, the, the triple bottom line is definitely, uh, definitely a cool concept I was unaware of. So that was, uh, yeah, that's really neat. I like it. Yeah. So, well, cool brother. Are, will you be at a mug in, uh, in March? Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Planning on that. So good deal. Good deal. Uh, look forward to continuing the conversation there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I'll definitely, uh, definitely catch up with you at a mug. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, to anyone else listening, 
Mike's going to be at AMUG. So if this is something that you'd like to explore a little more, I'll definitely, uh, it'll be tagged in all of the fun stuff when this goes on LinkedIn and everything there. And feel free. I mean, reach out to Mike. He's an all right guy. I think I, uh, I think the first time I try, yeah, that's that's all you can do, man. That's all I can do too. (laughs) That's how, uh, that's how I met Mike. I was, uh, let's see, what were we, Mike? We were at a, we were at an event at Detroit. Yep. In Detroit in 2019. And we were at an event. It was in the morning and I think the event wrapped up around 11 and I had posted like a video or something. I was like, Hey, you know, one of those stupid videos I put on LinkedIn. Hi, how's it going? Happy Thursday. I'm Zach. I'm at rapid and blah, blah, blah. And if you're here, you know, hit me up. I'd love to meet you. And it was literally, I think we were both, we had like an hour between <laughs> our little event in the morning and it ended and they opened the auto show so we could go in and check it out. And so we literally, uh, exchanged numbers real quick and, uh, walked around and, and looked for the guy answering the phone and, that's how, uh, that's how Mike and I met. So it's kind of cool, man, how, uh, how past cross at those events and, uh, you know, where they, where they tend to lead is always, always exciting. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was cool. It's, uh, it's always good to make that like in-person contact with your connections on LinkedIn. It's like, holy cow, I've got 500 plus connections, but how many of these people have I actually talked to or shook right. their hand? So, yep. yeah. It's definitely cool to me either. So. For sure, for sure. Well, cool, Mike. Well, it was yeah. great chatting with you, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks at AMUG, my friend. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for it. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go, folks. That was uh, my friend Mike McLean of 3dprintedparts.com. You know, pretty cool. Uh, you know, I've, I've picked his brain before on some stuff, kind of, you know, as I was getting into the into my little journey trying to to grow wings and fly. So, um, you know, it's a really cool thing that I'll always remember kind of catching up with him at, at rapid and, and, uh, and putting, putting faces and handshakes with names from, from online. It's always a great thing. So, uh, if you're out there, if the environmental impact of 3d printing, you know, is, is a thing for you, definitely reach out to Mike. He's, uh, He's a wealth of knowledge on that sus- on that uh, subject. I can just tell, you know, very cool, uh, very cool new concepts and and stuff like that. So that uh, that again was episode four of the Kicking It With podcast. Um, I'm your host Zach Holcomb. That was my special guest Mike McLean, and uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. It's a uh, four episodes now, so there should be plenty of content for you to decide if this is or is not for your ears every week. Um, if it's not quit listening. Yeah. If it's not something you like, don't listen to it anymore. If you kind of like it and you think that there's something we can change to make a little bit greater, keep your opinions to yourself. I don't really care. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) If you've got any input, please give it to us. We'd love to hear it. Always trying to uh, improve on what we're doing. Constant improvement is key. So uh, feel free. Don't be shy. My number is 252-549-0247. So plug it in your phone and shoot me a text when you hear these and be like, Hey, I just finished the seven mile uh, jog. And, um, and I had to run the whole time because this episode was really long. So keep them a little shorter. Feel free to give us that feedback. We'd really appreciate it until next time. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. 